Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning. And welcome to worship here at Edmonds United Methodist Church. My name is Donna Pritchard. I'm the pastor appointed to serve this church and, and this. And I'm Denny Velasco. Good morning. And Denny is uh, very graciously serving as our lay liturgist this morning and appreciate it very much. And let's take a moment to welcome those who are worshiping with us in various different parts of the world online. Welcome, friends. It's good to be together this morning. I want to make one quick announcement because this might uh, make it a little more efficient uh, at this end. There is an insert in the bulletin this morning if you wish to uh, donate a poinsettia in honor or memory of someone, uh, you can fill that out and you can drop it in the offering plate along with your gift, or you can bring it back to the church office uh, during this week ahead. All right, so I think we are now ready. If you are able to stand, please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. We come to worship, acknowledging God's presence and God's power. Let the earth be glad. Let the heavens rejoice. God reigns supreme. Jesus is God's word, the way, the truth, and the life for us. Let us be glad, let us rejoice, for the reign of Christ is here and now. So we come to worship. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And now, my friends, living together on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, let us share the peace of Christ one with another as we reconcile our hearts to God and each other. You may share signs of peace in whatever ways are comfortable for you and your partner. May the peace of Christ be with you all.
be seated. Good morning, children and youth, come on up. There's a couple of you representing, very nice. All right, go ahead and take a seat. Whenever you come up, come on up. It won't be scary, I promise. Okay, adults, you can join in them or with them as we do this. So I'm wondering, everybody, what do you see? A duck, I hear. A bunny, I hear. Ooh, a duck in the water poking out its head. Okay, we'll just pass it around. You can look and see what you see. Ooh, a seagull. Very specific. Okay, what about here? What do you see? A back of a cow. A back of a cow. What do you see? A head? Okay. A head? A head of a person. A what? A jacket? Okay, is the person old or young? Young, 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 okay. A lady with a hat. Definitely a lady. Old lady, I hear. Okay, so here's what's interesting. Parents, you can go home and Google this as well, and non-parents. Um, here, we have a bunny or a duck, depending upon how you look at it. And here, we have an old lady or a young lady, depending upon how you look at it. So isn't that so interesting? that all of us can look at the exact same thing and see something different. It's what people call confirmation bias, which is a very fancy term for what I just said. You can look at the same thing and see something different based upon your experience. So, woo, today is our fourth Sunday and we're talking about praise and thanksgiving. And one of the things we're talking about is how one way we can give praise and thanks to God is by questioning what we are so certain we know. So let's say a prayer. Gracious God, thank you for loving us exactly as we are. Amen. Oh, so if you want, you can come join me back in the library for some children's time.
Amen. I'd like to give a brief introduction to the scripture which uh, Jeanette will read for us today. It comes from the gospel according to John. Now, we don't really know who wrote this gospel. Uh, tradition claims it is the same author as uh, some of the New Testament letters, but that's probably not really accurate because it probably was written much later than the letters, 30 or 40 years later, in fact, which would mean that it was not an eyewitness account, but was inspired by an eyewitness account of Jesus' earthly ministry. It is thought this gospel was written somewhere in Asia Minor and that it was addressed to Gentile converts to Christianity. The theology of this gospel emphasizes Jesus' incarnation, that is, his coming to earth and being born as a person. And the start of the gospel states this up front. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, the passage that we will hear read this morning comes from the end of this gospel. It is an account of Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate, and it raises a central question. Who is truly powerful? And who reigns? Although Pilate and the Jewish religious authorities may appear to be the powerful ones, John here is presenting Jesus as the one who truly exercises authority. So there is little question why we might read this particular scripture today when we lift up Christ the King, or the reign and sovereignty of Christ in our lives. Let's listen now as Jeanette reads the scripture for us. Good morning, church. My name is Jeanette Murphy. This morning's scripture reading is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 38 in the Common English Bible version. Please rise in whatever ways are meaningful for you for the reading of the scripture. Pilate went back to the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate responded, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your nation and its chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, my kingdom doesn't originate from this world. If it did, my guards would fight so that I wouldn't have been arrested by the Jewish leaders. My kingdom isn't from here. So you are a king, Pilate said. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this reason, to testify to the truth. Whoever accepts the truth listens to my voice. What is truth, Pilate asked. 
After Pilate said this, he returned to the Jewish leaders and said, I find no grounds for any charge against him. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation. Grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ who calls us together this day. Well, my friends, this is Christ the King Sunday. It is a relative newcomer in the liturgical year of the Western Christian Church. It debuted in 1925 in response to oppressive governments who were demanding ultimate allegiance. Pope Pius XI was particularly moved by the resistance of Mexican Christians who held parades proclaiming Cristo Rey, Christ is King. A few years after its inception, Christ the King was moved to this, the last Sunday of the Christian liturgical year. It starts all over again next Sunday with the first Sunday of Advent. Friends of mine sometimes called it the relentless return of the Sabbath. 
in any event, it's always challenging for me to preach on Christ the King. A few years ago, I called my sermon for this day, Pomp in Circumstance, which seemed like a good title for Christ the King. It's a little intriguing, right? A little confusing, a little mysterious, maybe? Makes you wonder what's coming next. But then I realized that was the problem. I was wondering, what does come next? In fact, I think that is the enduring problem with the whole notion of Christ the King. It's a great sounding title, a catchy phrase, a handy theological notion that speaks of our allegiance and of Christ's supremacy in our lives. But the problem is, once you have proclaimed that, what comes next? I think part of what perplexes us, part of our problem with Christ the King, may be found in the Lord's Prayer. Working for Jesus' kingdom, praying thy kingdom come, it seems not only a little bit difficult, it seems impossible, doesn't it? Especially in these days. Because it seems so far from the reality that we know, the kingdoms in which we live. Even so, the name King is now the 113th most popular baby name, even more popular than Jonathan. Hard to believe. Well, psychologist Jean Twangs has written a book entitled Narcissism Epidemic. And she suggests that the rising popularity of names like King for our babies mirrors a national preoccupation with money, power, and fame. Turns out we haven't come very far in more than 2,000 years. You know, kingdom is a corrupted metaphor. It is one which has been misused by the church throughout history to make itself a political kingdom. And Christians have often failed to recognize that kingdom was an inadequate way of speaking of God's governance. It was not a call for us to set up our own empire. Kingdom, which we choose to use in the Lord's Prayer here, kingdom is an image of the liberating family of God working together for love and justice. And it just may be a metaphor much closer to what Jesus intended. Now, my friends, I know some of you are sitting out there saying to yourselves, probably, or maybe whispering quietly, well, that's just more contemporary political correctness. I have to tell you, it is worth noting that the kingdom metaphor is nothing new. In fact, Julian of Norwich in the 12th century wrote of our kinde lord. And in medieval English, that word kinde did not mean nice or pleasant. It meant kin. So to speak of Christ as our kinde Lord means to say 
Jesus is our kin, is one of our kind. Well, way back when Jesus first engaged us in ministry, the human race suffered from the same preoccupation we seem to suffer from today, money, power, and fame. Clearly, these were on the minds of those early Jesus followers. Yeah, they wanted to live in relation to God, but they still hoped to find a way to come out on top in relation to their culture and their peers. No wonder they looked for King Jesus to take himself out of custody or off the cross in a blaze of fury and power, or at the very least, to return to the scene of the crime with all the majesty of an imperial conqueror. Peter Woods reminds us, however, that the Gospels give us a different kind of king altogether. We see not a detached king, but one who is hungry, thirsty, a stranger, who is naked, sick, and in prison. These, there are very few kings or queens with firsthand experience of that. Jesus is the one who comes to us when we are hungry, even after our lovely Thanksgiving meals. Jesus is the one who comes to us when we are thirsty, even after our finest wines. When we are strangers in our own hometown, or naked in our designer labels, or when we are in prison while we are speeding down the freeway. So we would do better. We could find more meaning in this Sunday if we moved away from Christ the King and named it instead the Reign of Christ Sunday. Because when you get right down to it, Jesus' kingdom is not about a place, nor is it wrapped up in ceremonious pomp concerned with money, power, or fame. It is instead a state of being, a way to live, and a commitment to a particular way to view the world. When Pilate gets, tries to get Jesus to name himself as a king, Jesus reframes his own identity and ours along with it. You say that I am a king, Pilate, but I say, for this I was born to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Which, of course, prompts Pilate's next question and perhaps sums up much of our own life queries. What is truth? It's almost a cliche to say that we live in a post-truth era. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about politics or climate change or the COVID-19 pandemic or critical race theory or you name the question of the moment. We are steeped in a culture of sly exaggerations, doctored images, wild conspiracy theories, fake news, and even outright lies. And what gets me is people don't seem to care. It helps to remember that truth 
is not a weapon. It is not a snappy slogan for our campaigns. Truth is Jesus. The life of Jesus, the way of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Debbie Thomas puts it this way, what does it mean in our post-truth era to worship the king of truth? What does it mean to belong to the truth in a culture that increasingly denies truth's validity? How can we bear witness to embodied truth, to complex truth, to truth as a story of birth and life and death and resurrection in a world that prefers sound bites, tweets, and clever cartoons? I think Thomas is right when she goes on to suggest that one of the most urgent tasks facing us today is to forge a robust, gracious, timely, and trustworthy relationship to the truth. Again, in her words, if truth is king, then fake news is not. If truth is king, then self-deception, however attractive, is not. If truth is king, then lazy relativism is not. If truth is king, then distorting inconvenient facts for our own political, racial, social, cultural, religious, or economic context is not. As Jesus stands before Pilate and as he stands here in our midst today, he embodies truth that does not sidestep humility, surrender, or love. Jesus does not secure his own comfort at the expense of others' suffering. He does not allow holy ends to justify unholy means. He does not suggest that honesty is optional if the truth is inconvenient. We may have reason to fear the erosion of truth in our time, but we are not without hope, even in a post-truth era. Truth will survive. It has died and been resurrected already. The truth lives and will not abandon us. We belong to the truth. In the reign of Christ, what matters most is not what the world values, but what God values. And God, it turns out, values people. God values animals and plants. God values creation. And here's the really good news. God values you and me. And the truth of who we may yet become when we finally belong to the truth. Because in the reign of Christ, grace is a given. Thanks be to God. Amen.
As we come now to a time of prayer, I would invite you to take a look at the prayer list on the back of the bulletin. And we will have a few moments in silence as we invite you to lift up these persons and situations and the ones closest to your own hearts this day. Let us pray. O Holy Jesus, we call you the King of glory, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. Even though we are not that familiar with royalty, still we understand the image of your sovereignty. So we pray for your promised and prophesied kingdom we pray for it to come here and now to bring us a reign of justice, righteousness, hope, love, peace, mercy, and grace for everyone. If only, if only we could allow you to rule in our hearts Perhaps we could allow you to lead in this world. But honestly, we often have our own plans and agendas, and we want to be the rulers of our world, to feel in control of our lives. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for our lack of imagination, our lack of courage, our lack of trust in you. We know there are plenty of powerful rulers in this world who terrorize and overtax, who humiliate, exploit, and abuse those they are to lead. Oh God, we thank you for sending us Christ to be a different kind of sovereign. Thank you for Christ's goodness and kindness in our lives. Thank you for Christ's generosity and mercy and love. Help us learn to follow Christ's lead, to become true ambassadors of peace, 
and effective agents of change. For today, we commit ourselves anew to your reign, even as we pray together the prayer which Jesus taught, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. I invite us into a time of giving. The offering plate will be passed in the sanctuary, and I encourage you to be generous as God has been generous to us. If you are online, you may give two ways. Online at edmundsumc.org forward slash give, or by sending a check via mail to 828 Caspers Street, Edmunds 98020. Thank you for supporting the ministries and staff at EUMC.
God of peace, we are confronted with so many overwhelming needs in our world. Walk with us as we set aside our own desires and wants and join the call to alleviate human suffering. Transform these financial gifts into genuine acts of concern and ministry to others. In the name of Jesus, we ask your blessings on these gifts. Amen. have a few announcements that I would like to highlight this morning. They are all in the bulletin, but I want to lift up a few. First of all, <clears throat> let's see, I, I'm wondering how many of you appreciate decorations for Advent and Christmas. If you are excited about having decorations for Advent and Christmas, raise your hand. Okay, now the, the Scrooges in you uh, who don't care about those, uh, I guess you could be you know, excused, but maybe the next question is, if you're willing to spend 20 minutes helping to create this beautiful sanctuary and dress it for Advent and Christmas, raise your hand. Oh, many hands make light work. I will appreciate every one of you who can stay for just a few minutes. It won't take that long. There'll be Christmas music playing and some great treats to share, and we'll get it done together. Uh, so today, right after, get yourself a little uh, coffee or tea, a little snack, and then come on back and help to uh, dress the house here. Um, also today, um, if you're concerned about and, and praying for a ceasefire in Gaza, um, then there's our, there are some letters uh, meant to be sent to our senators um, asking them to encourage that um, ceasefire. And though you'll find those out in the table on the, in the narthex today, you can just sign your name. Um, also, you'll note that there's a lot of Christmassy things coming up. There's a holiday bazaar happening next weekend, December 1st and 2nd. On December 2nd, uh, we have uh, our annual all-church meeting. Now, this is not necessarily a Christmas thing, uh, but it is something that you're invited to come and be a part of decision-making with our district superintendent leading us in that. And then um, many of you have noticed that there's a tree at the entryway into our parking lot that has died and sadly will have to be removed. And there were some among the congregation who felt it was appropriate to spend a moment giving thanks for that tree. So if you're among those that would like to do that, we invite you to come also on the second, a half hour before the charge conference or the church conference and we'll gather out at the tree and there's a simple liturgy and an opportunity just to say thank you to this beautiful guardian of our space that has been a part of our life for many, many years. Also, you'll note that uh, we have a Christmas concert on the 10th of December at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. 
And don't forget to mark your calendars now for December 17th. We're trying something a little fun and different this year. At 3 o'clock, we're going to have a great opportunity to come together, sing some carols here in our sanctuary, and then have a Christmas party because every family needs to celebrate together. So um, please read all of the announcements and find your places where you can uh, enter in. And now stand if you are able and join in the closing hymn. Let us go out to be God's people in all God's world. Let us go out to not only pledge, but to show our allegiance to Christ, the Prince of Peace, and the one who we follow in hopes of peace 
justice, love, and mercy. And may that Christ go with us all. Amen.